0: Uh, Something pretty cool happened uh, for our town uh, this past week. And uh, most of you uh, weren't there to be a part of it. you heard about it. But uh, you have a chance today to be a part of it. Okay? Watch this. Oh, you're going to love me for this. Boy. Now of course the immediate responses you saw was pure elation. There was jumping and hugging, people were crying, people were yelling, crazy people were yelling, uh, uh, high fiving jumping around. There were some people who couldn't stay still. There were some people that were just motionless. They couldn't move, they were so excited. Pure elation. And I think we even saw a little bit in that video, but there's some other shots there that I noticed, uh, not quite as immediate, but almost in the same breath of of all that joy and emotion. You know what people did? (laughs) We did it! That's all you saw. And as I thought about that emotional scene, um, I couldn't help but think to myself, we really don't have a problem with sharing good news. We really don't. It comes natural. It's fun. We want to be able to do it. Think about how excited we are to tell someone uh, if we have a baby on the way. Or when we announce that someone in our family is getting married. Right? Think about the good news that we, we hear or that we want to share about someone getting a new job. Or when someone says, hey, I've got a new look on life. We love hearing that kind of good news. We love being able to share that good news with other people. And at least twice a year, Facebook blows up with picture after picture of graduation after graduation because we want to tell everybody the good news in our family that something great has happened.
1: We want to share these
0: kinds of things for obvious reasons. And we should share these kinds of things. These are good news things for us to share. But we also realize that you and I are here this morning because of not just good news but of what we call the good news. And It's the story of a God who was not willing to let us live life Alone. It's a story of a God that wasn't willing to let us get in the way of having the life God wanted for us. So much you could say about the good news, but I think in the passage that we read from Luke today, you find a great example, a great way to sum up what the good news is. Jesus as being brought to the place called the Skull. And you know what that means? The church folk got what they wanted. They had been trying and trying, plotting to have Jesus taken care of, and finally it was coming to be. And so they brought him to this place called the Skull, and they put him up on a cross, just like two pieces of wood, and they raised him up there between two... Now, when something happens to you and I that is wrong, that shouldn't have happened, something that offends us, something that we know someone's taking advantage of us, when things like that happen to us, I know you and I have some thoughts in our minds of things to say, don't we? But part of the good news is in the words of Jesus as he gets put up there. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The story of a God who's willing to hear every insult, willing to take every bit of abuse, willing to watch commitment fail, willing to hear every excuse, and to say, despite all that, The good news is that God isn't convinced that we have to live life alone. The good news is we share life with God. That God has a better life for us. God has always had a better life for us. And it's the life that is centered around a love that is true. We're not talking about Valentine's Day sappy love. We're talking about a love that says... I love you even though you hate me. That's the good news. That's the good news. Now, I love the way Luke tells the story. Because, as Luke has it, Jesus is there between two criminals. And Jesus has heard insults already. He's watched his disciples turn away from him, flee, run away. He's heard people yell out things, throw things. And now as he's up there on the cross, as if it's not enough, he even has to take things from people who are up there with him. And I love how Luke tells us because I think it reminds us of the real choice that we have to make. Sometimes as people who talk about a belief in the good news, people who say, I love God because of the good news, people who say, Amen to the good news, as, as all of us are those kind of people, we almost feel like we get the choice then to be a witness to it. We think, we, well, I'm going to decide if that's my thing, if I'm going to be one of those people who Share, who talk about, and who witness to what God has done. Friends, I think Luke shows us that that's a wrong impression that many of us have. You don't get to decide. You and I don't get to make up our minds if we want to be a witness. Jesus told the disciples to go and wait because the Holy Spirit would come and that you will be witnesses. And there on either side of Jesus, two criminals. It seems like Luke is saying, here's your real choice as you read and hear about this story again. One side is a person who follows suit with the the words being thrown out at Jesus. One criminal says to Jesus, oh man, if if you are so all that, why don't you just get down and while you're at it, why don't you do something for us too? If that's who you really are, why don't you prove it and take me along for the ride as well? Then on the other side of the cross is the other thief who says, you fool, don't you see? This the good news. You see, our choice is not whether we will be a witness. Friends, we are all a witness. No question. The only choice we have is what kind of witness we're going to be. Are we going to be a witness over here that is just part of everybody else? Or are we going to be the witness that says, this is the good news? I know when we talk about witnessing and talking about Jesus, that makes a lot of us uncomfortable. Because I think we've had some some ideas of what those kind of people look like. And we think to ourselves, "Mm -mm, I'm not that kind of person. Maybe you're not. And, maybe thank God you're not. I don't think we need somebody else screaming at the top of their lungs in the streets. Maybe. I don't think we need somebody yelling out things. I think we need people who understand this. That every word they use, that every tone they take with someone else, that every action or inaction that everything about their lives has an impact on the spiritual well-being of another human being. Because that's the fact. When we call ourselves people who believe in the good news, when we say, yes, I believe in that, amen to that, whether you like it or not, you are a witness. If you don't like it, you need to take that up with God. Because it's God's idea. But the other fact is, then that means that everything you and I say and do becomes a witness to Christ.
1: And quite often
0: it has impact and bearing on the spiritual well-being of other people. You don't believe me? i will give you two things today. I'm going to try something new I've never tried before. Bear with me here. You ever heard of Google? Yeah, you've heard of Google. If you have a computer, you know, you Google. Anything, anytime you want to find anything out, you go to Google, right? Google has all the answers. Google has this cool little function here that if you begin to type in uh, what you're looking for, um, it will complete, uh, give you a chance to choose um, completed sentences. Have you ever noticed you'll type something? Why is the sky? and then underneath it'll say blue or round. It'll say all all kinds of things. And what these responses are, these are other searches that other people have already put into Google. Google. That make sense? And so that's how Google is able to complete the question to hopefully help you find a good answer. Now, someone did this once, and they typed in a question like this. You may not be able to see it, but just so you know, this is live. Okay? Why are Christians so... And I'm going to let Google finish and tell you the first three responses. Ready for this? Are you ready for this? Why are Christians so annoying? Why are Christians so mean? Why are Christians so self-righteous. Do you understand what this is? Other people in the world have gone to Google, the all-knowing and all-powerful Google, to figure out why Christians are so mean. Are y'all with me? But witnessing, that's not my thing. Maybe it should be. Or maybe, well, anyway. Should I continue? Let's try one more. Let's see. Why do Christians act like they know everything? Why do Christians act fake? Why do Christians act like victims? Are y'all with me? Other people went to Google to try to figure out why Christians act fake. Is that really our witness? Is that really the good news? See, you don't have a choice. We are witnesses. The only thing we get to decide is what kind of witness we're going to be. Are we going to be one that points people away the truth, the love, the grace, the mercy of God? Or are we going to be the witness that points and says, now this is the good news. I'm sure in some of our Methodist churches, even some of the ones I've been a part of, what I'm about to say right now blows some people away, us good Methodist Christian folk. But um, I love the new Pope. This Pope, amen, brother. He is doing things that are making people ask other kinds of questions. Why do people love God so much? Why do Christians care about other people? Do you see the difference? You don't have a choice. You are a witness, plain and simple. The only choice you have. What kind of witness are you going to be? Let's pray. Almighty God, as we are here again to hear and to relive what is the good news to us, God, remind us that you are still doing good things in our world and in our hearts. And help us to find strength and faith enough in you to be able to witness all the good things you are still doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.